Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Fix Work. This is season two, and I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's episode, I've got Anya Kane, retail reporter for Business Insider. It's known affectionately as BI, and Anya was a guest on season one where we talked about her old beat as a careers reporter. Now, she's a 24-year-old covering news from the retail sector, Home Depot, Lowe's, Target, Costco, Walmart, Amazon, and her goal is to show us what it's like to live and breathe at the store level. Is there a retail apocalypse? Will everybody in retail lose their job? Do these jobs suck? Well, if you want to know what's happening in the world of retail or what's going down at the local mall, or if you don't even know what a mall is, sit tight and I'll be right back with more Anya Kane and Let's Fix Work. Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. Host Laurie Ruterman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Laurie. Hey, Anya. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. Hi, Lori. It's great to be here. We literally are here together. It's amazing. It's pretty fantastic. I'm so happy to see you. How have you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Still at BI. I've changed jobs since we last spoke, so that's been fun. And now instead of covering all careers, I'm just covering retail careers and other retail news. So, Well, yeah, there's a lot of retail news. Before we get to that, you know, I'm so happy to have you on as my first guest in the second season of Let's Fix Work. People loved your appearance last time on the show because you were authentic and fun and you had a lot of energy. So like, what's going on in your life? What's new? You went to Finland, right? Oh, Iceland, actually. Oh, God. <laughs> Same thing. All right. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew Iceland. So the Blue Lagoon, correct? Blue Lagoon. It's now my Instagram profile pic. As it will it be, be forever. Yes. Yeah. That's as good as it gets. Uh, it was very luxurious. Would not recommend staying in there for four hours because you get dehydrated and then you feel like you're going to die on the plane. But the overall experience was wonderful. There's wine. There's lots of tourists. You feel it's just so fancy. And, you know, it's a tourist thing, but it's the thing that all tourists should do because it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So where did you stay and what did you see besides the Blue Lagoon? So we stayed in Reykjavik. Me and my friend um, had a wonderful time. It's a lovely city. First day, we just kind of explored the city, saw what it had to offer, went to all the shops, ate a billion hot dogs, which they're surprisingly famous for. Oh, I had no idea. I hate hot dogs, by the oh, way. Oh, ooh, gross. You'll love these ones. But yeah, they're like, <laughs> like lamb. It's, yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> Your favorite. Um, but uh, other than that, we went to, uh, um, so the third day was actually reserved for the Blue Lagoon most of the day. And then the in between that, we went on a wonderful hike with a lovely tour guide um, in the highlands. And we uh, hiked these, um, I, I, I'm not going to butcher the Icelandic name, but it's essentially like painted mountains. And all these gorgeous colors cover the mountains, and it kind of looks differently in different um, lights. So we went around there. Cool. I can totally understand why a lot of people in Iceland believe in elves, because there's so many strange rock formations that are just popping up elsewhere. Like, you kind of feel like, oh, is that a person? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> it's a very beautiful and uh, lovely place to visit. So definitely would recommend it. Fabulous. God, I'm so jealous. Well, listen, uh, when I go, before I go, because now it's on my list, I will touch base with you for tips. 
recommendations, all that kind of good stuff. And you came back and you were promoted at work or what? what's the timeline of this? I'd say maybe more pivoted at work. Oh, pivoted, not a promotion. All right. <laughs> not technically. All right. Well, you know, it's a promotion because it's something new, right? It, it, it's it's a whole new field that you're covering. So tell us about the retail space. What's your beat? So my beat is currently Walmart, Target, Home Depot, and Lowe's. I have those stores that I focus on. Um, but something that I'd like to really do with the beat is talk to workers who work at those stores on the front lines, a- along with the execs who run these companies. So I think that kind of gives us a nice balance of viewing it from the top down and then viewing it from the bottom up of people saying, here's what's actually going on in the stores. Um, so, so far, I've been working on some stories kind of with that in mind, and I've been having a really good time. It's an obviously a very exciting season for retail because it's the holiday season. Black Friday is almost upon us. And um, so things are really gearing up. And I'm just so happy to be covering these topics because there's something that I've discovered that I really enjoy learning more about and helping BI's readers learn more about and talking to your listeners about. I love it. So tell me, what's the retail world like these days? Because I'm worried. We always hear that consumers are overextended. They're spending too much. I'm always worried about a recession. I mean, Donald Trump is bound to just bring us all down at some point. So is retail good? Is it healthy? Is it strong? Or what's going on? Gosh, that is such a good question. Um, So for a while now, BI has been covering something we call the retail apocalypse, where all these retailers are really hurting because of a myriad factors, but, you know, namely the death of malls. Uh, people want to buy things online because it's more convenient. Um, wait, wait. Did you ever hang out at a mall? Never in my life. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm sorry. I lied. I completely lied. I have hung out at a mall, but like with my grandma and mom. Oh, God. <laughs> so I don't think that really counts. No, not at all. We not go at to all. Panera Bread. It was dope. Um, oh, my gran- My granddad used to work at Macy's, so we'd go to the Macy's. Um, in Cross County and in, in, in Yonkers, and we'd hang out there. But, you know, not with the not with my fellow youth. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, your cover, BI has covered the death of the mall and all that kind of good stuff. So what's happening now with retail? So what's happening now is, I mean, one thing I'm talking with a lot of retailers about is this pivot to omni-channel stores, which is a very jargony way of saying we have online stuff, we have in-store stuff, uh, maybe we'll even have some B2B action. But namely, it just means being flexible and using your spaces to the fullest. So that means, you know, like Target is doing, having more space to fulfill online orders. Um, So it's definitely changing the way people work within those stores to a certain extent um, and and just kind of throwing more responsibilities at them. Some things are being focused on less than others. So it's interesting um, to see that change. And a lot of retailers are, I would say, I mean, I'm pretty new to the, the beat, so don't take my word for this, but doing okay. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, I think the retail apocalypse uh, is something that, you know, is is very specific to maybe some of the places that aren't pivoting successfully. Sure. But I think the people who run these companies are, for the most part, pretty smart and they and they know what they're doing with how to keep these stores in business and alive. And, and so, you know, the big ones like Walmart, you know, they're basically kingdoms unto themselves yeah, where they have right. these supply lines. It's crazy. So, there's definitely a time of change, but I would say maybe the retail apocalypse isn't all-consuming when it comes to retail. Well, you know, you're covering some big-name stores, but one of the ones that you're not covering directly is Amazon. Although I know you've done some reporting on Amazon, and there's big Amazon news. We're here in New York City today, face-to-face, yeah, and so this is a new hub for Amazon. So talk a little bit about what's going on with Amazon, and is it good news for the American worker? 
Oh, no. Yes. Okay. So Amazon HQ2 News dropped, of course, earlier this week, and we were all running around covering it, pitching in. It's interesting. Amazon recently had its kind of squabble with Bernie Sanders, as everyone saw, that ultimately seemed to result in Amazon saying, okay, we will actually pay everyone $15 an hour. Yeah, everyone directly employed, though, and not make that distinction for contractors, correct? That is the key thing there. It doesn't apply to contractors. And a lot of people work for Amazon, you know, as contractors. And uh, there's been a lot of reported discrepancy in the pay and even things like safety. So Yeah, people are peeing in bottles because they're too busy to go on a bio break, right, if they're delivery drivers. So the working conditions for the average Amazon worker might be okay, but for that Amazonian economy, it differs, correct? Certainly, because they're taking advantage of that sort of gig economy that we talked about last time. Right. Um, where people are trying to get into these jobs. Um, e- they're they're easy to get, but they're hard to maintain because there's the standards are really not there. I actually helped report on that story, helped um, our correspondent, Haley Peterson, find uh, drivers to talk to. And the amount that we're, um, you know, sometimes you, as a reporter, you reach out to people and they just do not want to talk to you because they're okay with their job or they don't want to get in trouble. The amount of people we found who were eager to talk to us, I think, was pretty telling about how the circumstances of those third-party driver jobs that Amazon um, has brought about, you know, I think that's telling. Yeah. Why don't you tell us one of those stories? Does anyone stick in your mind as offensive or weird or crazy? Gosh, well, I didn't interview any of them face to face or anything, but the peeing in the bottles definitely sticks in yeah, your mind as a yeah. pretty horrific thing. And I think the one that um, stuck with me also was one of the drivers talked about how basically unless they speed, they will not get all of their packages delivered. Whoa. And so, you know, they're having to decide between being safe and keeping people around them safe and doing their jobs. And that's obviously unacceptable. Yeah, um, yeah, that is. Wow, that's something else. Well, you know, I think about the world of Amazon, and that's one type of retail. And then you've got Lowe's, Home Depot, Costco even. Or I mean, I'm a middle-aged white woman who lives in the suburbs. I go to all those stores. That's how that works. Do people shop at those stores, or is there still space in our economy for boutique stores that deliver amazing customer experiences? Does that exist anymore? That's so interesting because I recently wrote a piece on how Walmart is acquiring some of those stores. That you like what? Like who? Bonobos, Mod Cloth, um, there are others. Yeah. They, they're not all maybe, I would say, boutique, but a lot of them offer some sort of very specific product that you couldn't really get anywhere sure, else. Sure, yeah. So I think the major retailers are recognizing that there is space for that mm-hmm. and that maybe they need to eat them up. Yeah, um, or step it up maybe in a more optimistic way. That would be great. But I think about these stores, you know, when you go into Chicago or you go into New York or Minneapolis or St. Louis, there are these little awesome stores that are just known for really tailoring the experience to me as a working woman where I can go in, I can, they can look at my size and immediately put a room together for me and they've got the best name brands and it's the experience that they're selling and not necessarily the product. Does that make sense? Definitely. And yeah, people want a good experience and I think that's why Costco is successful. I mean, it's a different experience. It is, but it's all right. I'll take those free samples. They're pretty dope and you get to go to the food court and (laughs) it's fun. Um, But yeah, I I think people still crave an experience. I think millennials tend to crave experience over perhaps like a brand name bag. Sure. So I think there's room for them, just in my layman's opinion. But as for different forces like real estate and what's going on within different cities, 
I guess it's just kind of more dependent because those stores don't have the benefit of having this massive infrastructure or massive wealth behind them. Right. Absolutely. What is the average job like for a worker at Target or Costco or at Walmart? You know, you hear stories and I'm sure it's different, but Walmart is heavily subsidized by the U.S. government. So some of those workers are on Medicaid or they have government benefits. I don't know if the same applies to Target, but are people generally happy in those jobs? Because God knows if I'm looking for a little extra coin, I'm not looking to work at Walmart or Target. Yeah, it's a really good question because in my experience speaking with a lot of these workers, it can very much vary between different companies. So I'll give you an example. I've talked to like almost 50 Costco workers for some of my roundups and by and large, they're very positive on the company and they're very positive about their own experiences. And they oftentimes stay there for years. And the thing is about them is that they kind of want to talk to you because they want to brag about their jobs a bit. You know, oh, I love that. Not in a rude way, but yeah. it's kind of like, I love it here. It's it's awesome. So that's always nice to hear. Uh, Target folks, um, I found, tend to be more of a mixed bag. Okay, They're not negative, I would say, by and large. Some actually, some are pretty negative. And then others just have some criticisms, but they say overall it's been a good experience. So like what are some of those criticisms at Target? A lot of it has to do with management within their particular stores. Yeah. Less so an overall Target policy, okay. more of like the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Man, that's every job though. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Right. But Target, okay. So Target could probably use to work on its management training is what I'm hearing. So yes. all right. That's they, interesting. I think they all feel relatively, I mean, no, I can't speak for everyone, but sure. a lot of the ones I've spoken to feel like the compensation is relatively fair. Oh, good. Um, with Walmart, it tends to be a little more negative, although some have very positive things to say about some of its philanthropic efforts and, um, you know, their own personal experience within the store. Others, I think, feel that uh, the, both the pay and the scheduling practices could be better to benefit workers. So what's wrong with the scheduling practices at Walmart? I've spoken with a number of people who feel like they're not getting enough hours. And Oh, that's interesting. So f- more people, but fewer hours? Yeah. And I, and I, and, um, you know, I think this could be just from what I've seen, could be a store problem mm. uh, affecting individual stores based on their budget. Sure. But it is something that has come up in a number of conversations that, I think is kind of interesting and I'm going to look into more, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to read more about what the employee experience is like at Walmart because there's this big movement to really improve the employee experience, thinking that it's going to show a result to the customer experience and the happier the employees are and the more engaged they are, the better the customers will want to shop. And I think the whole, you know, supply chain is just happier in general, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you make employees happier, if your company's more profitable, that's conscious capitalism. That's the idea behind it. But I think, you know, we've had companies for years that have mistreated and abused their workers and they've been profitable. So I don't know if that's proven out, but I'd love to see further reporting on that. Yeah, no. And it's a good point about people being happy, whether that'll benefit the business. I'd like to think so. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's also just probably good for the economy if people have more cash to spend. But I'd say a lot of that, we talked previously about what makes a workplace great. And I think a lot of it, especially in retail, comes down to compensation and benefits. I think that's kind of what people want. It's not about giving them a bunch of flashy perks that they'll never use. Yeah. I think people just want to feel like they're getting where we're set. Human beings are such fairness minded creatures, even though the world is so unfair. Yes. So when people feel like they're being fairly treated by their employer, they tend to be happier. And I have to imagine that would mean that they put more effort into their work. I mean, I think 
that's anybody. If you're miserable at your job, are you really going to go that extra mile? No, you won't display discretionary effort. But although I do wonder if a more thoughtful leader of a Walmart would invest in programs and practices to lift Walmart employees up so that it's not such a threat that if they leave the organization, they're known as such a good employer for training on management, for encouraging people to go to school, if that whole model would just be flipped. But would it be more expensive to shop at Walmart then, right? I mean, the thing about Walmart is, well, I go there when I do go there for budget bottom basement prices, right? I mean, that's the driver to go to Walmart. It's not because of some awesome employee experience or customer experience or because they treat their people well. I just want my cat's medication at the pharmacy to be $4. That's it. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, why do people shop at Walmart? I mean, why do they make a distinction between Walmart and Target when really the companies aren't all that different, are they? I think that's a really good question because, okay, so the first part is, yeah, why do why do people shop at Walmart? If, you know, it's been kind of characterized as the villain of the yeah, retail industry right. for a very long time. Um, and they would say, hey, we have a lot of these programs that are helping people go to college, helping people do this, or, or you know, they would say that they've probably uh, bumped their pay up quite a lot in the past couple of years. I think a lot of other people or employees there might say, is it enough? Yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> And, and how much of it is more of a PR move yeah. um, as opposed to meaningful change. True. I Do you think people not. shop at Target, though, because they love the brand, they love the, the logo? I mean, what is it that makes people decide I'm a Target lady versus a Walmart lady? It's so funny because I've never just been a super brand loyal person. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I think with Walmart, it just offers fantastic savings. And, yeah. and people are looking for that. People, um, especially with things that aren't, high-ticket items. Right, yeah. They don't need a name brand. Um, and Walmart does do an incredible, almost scary job of whipping its kind of um, manufacturers and distributors into shape when it comes to getting the absolute lowest deal yeah. with some oh, of Oh, yeah. Stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've talked a little bit about the retail space. I wonder how your new job is different than it was six months ago from when we met. Like, what's your career journey been like? Because you're, how long have you been uh, with BI now? So I started as an intern in May 2016, so over two years. Yeah, wow. That's a long time. But you were still, you're still relatively new in your career, right? So when you were covering the career beat, it was interesting because you were still new to your career and you must have learned a lot. How has your personal career changed in the past six months? Yeah, I still definitely feel like an intern sometimes. No, <laughs> You know, all, we all do. We right? all do. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is so real. Wait, wait. Do you feel that way? Do you have imposter syndrome? Yes. You do? Yes. You know that's insane. You Pull, know how... Pulls off mask. <laughs> nuh You know how talented you are. You must know that to the core. It's it's just, it's you know, it's a day-by-day thing. Um, but yeah. I think the people at BI are super supportive and um, were super supportive of me switching beats. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's a fun place to be. Good. I feel like I'm still learning a lot, especially in this new beat. So I'm super grateful for that. In terms of my own career progression, yeah, I am... Um, Within careers, I was re- doing a number of retail stories where I was talking to a, lo- a large group of these retail employees, and I kind of realized this is what I want to do more of. This is what I want to focus on. And um, the switching to the retail beat was a, as a was basically a way of getting to do more of what I love. So, you know, the, the transition was pretty smooth. Everyone was very supportive. Good. Do you have a different boss at this point or the same boss? Uh, different editor, different, different editor. Section, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's that relationship like? Is it getting to know someone new, getting to know their style, creating a new relationship? Has it been easy or challenging for you? 
It's been pretty easy, actually. I'm Good. always nervous about meeting new people, to be honest, and which is a great skill or a great trivia tri- uh, attribute for a reporter. To yeah, have. I was just going to say, you've got to work on that as well. <laughs> it's a lot of things I have to work on. Oh, well, I mean, everybody has stuff to work on. My goodness. This is the On Your Self Improvement podcast. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. We've, we're going to put together a performance plan for 2019. So on it, we're going to focus on getting rid of imposter syndrome. I mean, there's there's no need. But I think as you move in your career, surrounding yourself with people who care about you and care about your well-being and who are honest with you is going to help get rid of that imposter syndrome. So hopefully you have that in your new editor, someone who's gentle, but also uh, constructive and gives you good advice. Certainly. Yeah. No, I loved my old section. Wonderful, wonderful group. And I really love my new section. So it's kind of been nice where it's just going from one positive group of people to the next. And I, I don't feel like there's been any huge change. Only slight difference is that retail news, um, can be a bit more fast-paced, yeah, especially right. in the mornings. So I have to be checking my Google News on the train. Um, that's been something, you know, but I, I enjoy it because it just kind of, uh, you hit the ground running every day, and then in the afternoon, maybe you can work on some more long-term things. And I really enjoyed getting to cover Amazon because we were just throwing around angles and just hitting them. So I, I enjoy the change of pace. But overall, in terms of people, in terms of level of support, you know, I just— I mean, I really just love working at Business Insider. I don't know. I I sound like such a corporate show when I talk about it. I'm actually fascinated by this because you are a late stage millennial, right? So you're not not one of those millennials who's 37 years old and now cynical. I mean, you're almost like Gen Z, right? That's the generation you would probably more identify with. And yet you're going to a job every stinking day. You're taking the train in. You're going to a corporate office, correct? You work in an environment. Do you sit at a cube or at a workbench? But you sit in an office physically. You're not working from home. And you're a full-time employee with benefits, correct? Oh, yeah. How did you get so lucky? Nobody of your generation has any of that shit. Oh, I think some of my friends do. Um, But um, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, also, I'll say this. I'm technically a millennial, but two of my younger sisters are Gen Z. Yeah. So there's a huge gulf in our house. We just don't. We just don't understand each other. But. Yeah. Is that true? No. I'm just <laughs> Although they, they tell me when slang is out of date. I'll oh, be like, man. It's so fast, isn't it? I'll be like dabbing at them and they'll be like, no, stop it. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Kill it off. But you do definitely have benefits and perks and a lifestyle that people who are in their 30s really haven't had or, or it went away. And also as a journalist, as a writer, that's unheard of as well. So you're in a unique position where you've got some stuff that Gen Xers live with and have and actually don't want. They hate all that stuff. They hate the job. They hate the nine to five. They hate the train ride in. They hate the bench that they're working at. Um, How do you feel about all that? That's a good question. I think with my personality, I've always really wanted to go into journalism. And um, actually, you know, growing up, seeing all the newsrooms kind of have massive layoffs in 2008 when I realized I wanted yes. to in eighth grade. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I just applied to a lot of places in college and BI was the one that took me on and it just ended up being a really good fit in terms of the people. Um, it's a it's a corporate office. Our, we just got a bigger office, you know, recently we have expanded. So it's a fancy looking office. Yeah. Wow. It. What do you have to wear to work? Oh, there's no, there's no real dress code as oh, long as good. you're not in pajamas. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's still got the trappings of a startup a bit. Um, and I, I like that. It's, it's pretty casual. Yeah. A lot of the people who work there are quite young, maybe a little older than me, but not by much. I, I feel like the leadership does a good job with saying like, okay, here's what matters, you know, that you're doing your job and you're doing a good job and you're producing good work for us. And a lot of the other trappings that maybe 
Gen Xers might find confining aren't really a focus. Um, at least that's been my experience. So, and yeah, with me, I just like having this job. I mean, maybe eventually I'll be like, oh, I want to freelance. But for now, I just really enjoy it, even though I got, I have to commute down from Westchester. So that's, that's a bit annoying sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of a serious commute. How long does that take you every day? Oh, too long. Oh, God. Um, well, it kind of depends on whether the subways are being insane. But yeah. um, I got, I got really into true crime podcasts and I listened to you and I listened to BI's podcast. So I'm a podcast girl now. And, you know, I learn a lot every day on the train, so there's definitely a bright side to it. Yeah, that's not too bad at all. Well, let's talk about 2019. What's coming up for you? What are you going to cover? What's interesting to you? And where do you think your coverage is going to go? I mean, you can't predict what's going to happen in retail, but what's bubbling up right now? Well, Black Friday, super excited. We'll be covering um, on Black Friday, so... Oh, you got to work. I got to work. I'm actually kind of excited. I mean, I don't have to go into the office and work from home, but... It'll be kind of interesting to get, maybe get some get some stuff done then. Yeah. Um, with Black Friday, I mean, it's kind of become less relevant in recent years thanks to online. So maybe it won't be that exciting. But yeah, I don't think people die anymore on Black Friday. I hope not. I really don't want to see people trampled anymore on Black Friday. Don't die. But yeah, what kind of deals can you get on Black Friday that you can't get on an average Tuesday on Amazon, right? I mean, that's the thing. So you're right. Black Friday, not as important anymore as it used to be. Definitely not. And that's, I think, a good thing because as you said, people have died and it's just don't, I just, just relax with your family. Right. (laughs) All right. So in 2019, we've got other things coming up from a coverage perspective. So we have Amazon, right, which will continue to be in the news, but there's also weird holidays that are important to retail like Super Bowl Sunday. That's going to be something you'll probably cover this year. Like how many people buy TVs and what else they buy. So anything else that you're looking forward to on your calendar writing about next year? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I feel like I haven't even like looked that far ahead. Um, I think, yeah, you, you mentioned like Super Bowl Sunday, President's Day sales are always oh, a thing. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it, it, everyone, you know, everyone has a holiday that they are trying to sell something. In terms of just generally speaking, what I want to cover is just like really focus on a lot of employee stories. Yeah. So if you work at a retailer, shoot me an email. <laughs> we'll make sure all that information is in the show notes. Absolutely. Shameless plug. No, I love it. I love it. We've got to get you out and meeting people. That's part of your personal development plan anyway in 2019 now. We've got to get you comfortable with it. Well, yeah. listen, I was so excited to have the opportunity to be in New York City and see you today in real life and talk to you. So we're going to have you back again. What can we um, ask you about next time? and actually put you on the carpet and hold you to questions about retail? Are you going to be traveling anywhere? Like what should be, what should we be looking for in the next six months from you? Oh, geez. Um, definitely questions about retail. And um, as for travel, I might go to Orlando in February. But oh God, I don't wish that on you. <laughs> my friend's running in the, in the princess race at Disney. Oh my God. So we're going to, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm super excited. It's been a while since I've been to Orlando. So now, now I'll be going as an adult. So. I love it. I love it. It's going to be a whole different experience. I'll become, I hope. I'll become very jaded. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, going to Colonial Williamsburg in March. So nothing too exotic on the travel front, but definitely ask me about retail. And hopefully I will have been able to do some stories that are really kind of from the store level perspective and talking to people about their experiences, good and bad. And, um, you know, hopefully providing 
FBI's readers with an opportunity to understand how how these stores really work, because it's very easy to take this stuff for granted when you're just shopping there and you're just kind of skimming through and you do self-checkout and then you're gone. I mean, a, a lot of work goes into this stuff and there's a lot thing, of things behind the scenes that I think would surprise people sometimes. Yeah, I believe that. Well, I want to know one thing, and you may not have the answer for this right now. Is it true that self-checkout is slower than just going to the cash register and having someone do it for you? Oh God, I have no idea. I think that's true. I've heard that. I would love to learn like the science behind self-checkout and whether or not it's really as effective as we want to believe it is, because I don't think so. People, I'm going to say, people fuck around at those registers forever. It drives me crazy. It's like, move it already. So I really, I try to go to a human when I can. I think it's faster. Yeah. And then you'll be behind the guy who's like trying to buy a six pack of beer and it's like, dude, you can't do that. Yeah. Or some stores you can, but it takes forever for that idiot to come over and check the ID. It's just a pain in the ass. So please, I would love some reporting on self-checkout and whether or not it's like fulfilling the fantasy that we think it is. Expose. <laughs> well, Anya, it was so great to see you. Where can people find you? Give give us a reminder. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Anya Kane. Uh, that's my handle. It's just my name. It's so easy to find. <laughs> very, I'm the only one. But LinkedIn as well, correct? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can follow me there. I always post all of my stories. I'm sure annoying all of my followers. And um, you can also uh, shoot me an email at a kane at businessinsider.com. I just forgot my own email. That's all right. Who wants to remember their own email anyway? (laughs) Well, Anya, it was so great to see you today. Thanks again for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful seeing you too. And everybody, we'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Podcasting is one of the fastest growing platforms to directly engage with an audience. So it's important to get it right. From first-time podcasters to businesses and hobbyists, we have the expertise to provide an end-to-end hassle-free service. Get in touch with GLPro UK at glpro.co.uk and let's start the conversation. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the kickoff show with Anya Kane. All of her info is in the show notes and you can connect with Anya on LinkedIn or find her on Twitter. You know, I'm personally invested in this young woman's career, and I cannot wait to see where she goes. Let's Fix Work was recorded at Gotham Podcast Studios in New York City, which I highly recommend, and produced by GL Pro UK. We're so happy to be back with season two. And if you want to help us, it's super easy. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a five-star review while you're at it. Now, that's all for this week's show, and I really hope you enjoy it. We're excited about season two, and we'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by subscribing to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.